0: That's the sound of 55,000 people packed onto the south shore of Lady Bird Lake in Austin. It's Saturday night. The R&B star Leon Bridges has just left the stage. Willie Nelson, the legend, is waiting somewhere close by on his famous tour bus, the Honeysuckle Rose. Austin City Council member Greg Kassar is rallying the crowd.
1: Proud to introduce the next US Senator from the great state of Texas, Beto O'Rourke.
0: Beto O'Rourke is the 2018 Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate in Texas. Beto bounds onto the stage and bends down to give Cassar a bear hug. He's six foot four after all. Then stands there, soaking up the energy of the crowd.
1: Even those of you I cannot see, thank you for being here, thank you for being with us, thank you for being for Texas and for this country that we love so much.
0: This is one of the largest political rallies in America since Barack Obama first ran for president. And the stakes feel huge, bigger than a Senate seat, or even who gets to control the Senate. It feels like a referendum on what America is and what it wants to be. Fifteen months ago, when Beto announced that he was challenging Ted Cruz, his chances of winning looked slim. He was a little-known three-term congressman from El Paso. And least promising of all, he was a Democrat. Texans haven't elected a Democrat to the U.S. Senate since Lloyd Benson in 1988. The last time we elected a single Democrat to any one of our 27 statewide elected offices was 1994. That's the longest streak of Republican dominance in the nation. Texas is America's ultimate red state. But as of this week, the polls are tight and Beto has raised tens of millions of dollars, far more than Cruz. And maybe what seemed impossible, or at least highly improbable, isn't so hard to imagine anymore.
1: You with me? I am with you and it is an honor to run to represent you. Thank you, Austin. Thank you, Texas. Thank you, Willie and family. I am grateful. Thank you very much.
0: This is Underdog, a production of Texas Monthly and Pineapple Street Media. I'm Eric Benson, a senior editor of Texas Monthly. Over the next four weeks, we'll be on the ground in Texas, following the O'Rourke campaign as it tries to unseat Ted Cruz, and taking a hard look at the Democrats' dream of turning Texas blue. Could this really be the race that changes Texas? Or is Beto Mania just another fantasy? This week, on the road again. A month before the big rally in Austin, I meet up with Beto one morning at a Holiday Inn Express in South Waco. It's mid August, 8 a.m., already 80 degrees, and humid. Beto grabs a cup of coffee, throws his bags into the bed of his pickup, and hops into the driver's seat. He was smack in the middle of a 34-day road trip, 19 days down, 15 to go. Cynthia Cano and Chris Evans, two of Beto's top aides, are sitting in the back seat. They've been everywhere the past few weeks.
1: We started in El Paso of course, drove to Fort Davis, so West Texas, Fort Stockton, Pecos, Odessa, Permian Basin area, and then um, Seminole, Lubbock, Muleshoe. Can I have gum? From you, come. Uh, you want some really good gum?
0: Oh, you found it.
1: Oh, we found it.
0: Beto looks pretty worn down. We're driving south on I-35 toward the city of Temple, and it's time for his first task of the day: an interview with a podcast in the Rio Grande Valley.
1: inquestas. Uh,
0: pero van a votar.
1: Y van a votar no como republicanos, o demócratas, o independientes.
0: Van a votar como tejanos, como americanos. Uh, Beto speaks Spanish fluently, but at that moment, it's a lot. He's trying to get to his first event of the day, and the, the interstate is a nonstop construction site. Country. A white Ford Fiesta is no, blocking the left I lane. Beto's hunched forward, right elbow on the steering wheel, right hand cradling the cell phone to his ear. I get the feeling he's somehow trying to part the traffic with his body. And the hosts on that podcast? They're pressing him. What are his detailed plans for economic development in the border regions? Is he concerned that not enough Latino voters are coming to see him? Beto thought he was going on that show to plug his upcoming town halls. A few times, he puts his phone down mid-question and lets his team know that he's not happy.
1: Come on, guys.
0: He also lets me know, in no uncertain terms, that my microphone is too close to his face. I pull it away. He wraps
1: Diaz up próxima. the call.
0: Beto turns toward me and pats me on the back.
1: Sorry, I, I didn't yeah. know you were going to be in the car. I didn't know what was going on. I'm very happy for you to be here. I just didn't know what was yeah, going no. on. Hey, I'm tired yeah. as shit. Cynthia, you got to get us organized. Three-person panel, who were each asking five questions about every issue under the sun. So we were not prepared at all for that one.
0: Ten minutes later, we're in Temple. A few hundred people, many of them veterans, are inside a convention center. They're waiting for Beto and being entertained by Britt Daniel. He's lead singer of the indie rock band Spoon. Britt finishes his set. And soon, a very upbeat high school kid named Dakota has taken the stage. It's his job to introduce the morning's featured speaker.
2: But whatever you do, don't just smell the grass. Crawl over some broken glass, and we to elect your next senator, Beto Morari!
0: <laughs> Beto grins.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, amazing, amazing. Thank you, Dakota.
1: appreciate you being here. Um, please have a seat. Thank, thank you all for coming out feels really good to start third visit to Temple.
0: A long line forms in the lobby after Beto finishes. Handshakes, a few words, lots of selfies. I wander over to a tall guy who had asked Beto a question inside. He's got a long white Gandalf beard.
2: I'm an independent voter. I vote for people, not parties. And so it depends on the candidate and the issue.
0: That's David Bass. He's an army veteran, lives nearby in Killeen.
4: I'm very enthusiastic about Beto. Uh, Beto supports veterans' right
0: to use medical marijuana instead of the pills, which I appreciate.
2: I'm Jan Gunter and... um, Beth Walker, I'm her mother
0: for the Beto supporters.
2: Absolutely Beto supporters, yeah. yes, yes. We're helping, uh, we're fundraising for, him. well, we're donating. I, I donate monthly
3: plus. I go to a church of about 150 people. There may be three Democrats, and they all know I'm a Democrat.
0: And it isn't easy. Britt Daniel doesn't need to get in line for a selfie, but I talk to him too. He's at the town hall with his parents. Are your parents Beto supporters, too? Maybe after today. (laughs) They'd
4: they'd never heard him speak. Um, They're definitely not Democrats, but I saw both of them clapping for a lot of the things he was saying. Not everything, but a lot of the things he was saying.
0: Last selfie taken, and Beto's back in the truck. Next stop, Lampasas, about an hour to the west. Then Horseshoe Bay, then a private fundraiser in Austin. Then a rally at a rock club called Emo's. With any luck, Beto should be able to grab some dinner with his team by 9 PM. That's a long way away. Beto multitasks when he's on the road. He scarfs down a plate of rotisserie chicken. He rehearses the names of all the volunteers and, and donors and organizers he needs to thank at each event. Don't tell me. It's boy. It's don't tell me. Bob. He gets a hero's welcome at every stop. When he arrives in Horseshoe Bay, there's a gauntlet of well-wishers waiting for him at the door.
1: Put some mustard on your fastball, Thank you. I like that.
0: Horseshoe Bay is not a liberal stronghold. Trump got 80 percent of the vote in this precinct. There are three golf courses within a couple miles of us. It's a community for rich retirees and rich retiree is skew Republican. Hi.
2: You have got the turnout. Here we go. There's yeah. people that don't think any Democrats live out here, but look there in there and see. Hopefully
0: there's some Republicans in there,
2: too. <laughs> there's <laughs> some independents, we really like know that.
0: 700 buttoned-up, white-haired Texans are gathered to hear Beto, and he wins them over by talking about the liberating power of playing in a punk rock band during college.
1: We, we didn't do corporate rock and roll more than 20 years ago, not out of righteousness but in part because um there was no corporation or business that would have taken a chance on us i mean we, we didn't all the way know how to play our instruments to, to begin with okay uh, i don't know how listenable that music was um but but it was also freeing there, there were no constraints we could tell our stories leaving el paso more than a year and a half ago um no corporation no PACs. no special interests the Democratic National Committee, the state Democratic Party, and the state of Texas for that matter. um, No one was asking us to do this. Uh, no, No one gave us the
0: roadmap. That Beto is generating enthusiasm, any enthusiasm, in places like Horseshoe Bay, is a worry for Ted Cruz. Cruz won his Senate seat in 2012 by 16 percentage points. He never had to think for a second about what turnout would be like in Horseshoe Bay or anywhere else. His opponent was a former state legislator named Paul Sadler, who campaigned on a platform of fiscal responsibility and reducing the national debt. Sadler wasn't getting profiled in glossy magazines, he wasn't appearing on Ellen or Colbert, and he certainly wasn't generating viral videos.
1: And I can think of nothing more American than to peacefully stand up or take a knee for your rights anytime, anywhere, anyplace. So thank you very much for asking the question. I appreciate it.
0: Outside conservative groups are now pouring millions into the race, and Cruz is doubling down on his efforts to paint Beto as an extremist. He said that Beto is divisive and dangerous. He's called him a socialist and anti-law enforcement. He's running a steady stream of attack ads to underscore those points.
2: Major wants those open borders And wants to take our guns Not a chance on Earth he'll get a vote from
1: millions of Texans gonna run in Texas, you can't be a liberal man.
2: I'm Ted Cruz, and I approve this message.
0: Cruz is a shrewd tactician. He almost single-handedly shut down the government in 2013 to try to defund Obamacare, and he came very close to becoming his party's nominee for president as a 45-year-old first-term U.S. senator. He knows how to draw blood, and he knows what will fire up his base. But there are core issues at stake here the place of immigrants in American society, the government's role in education and healthcare, And you can feel the deep divisions even at Beto's rallies. Midway through the Templetown Hall, the one Britt Daniel opens, I notice a guy standing off to the side. He's filming everything Beto says on a tripod-mounted smartphone. He's wearing a shirt with the slogan, I'm pro-gun, change my mind. Can you tell me what you're carrying?
4: Uh, I've got a Taurus Judge Public Defender, it's a uh, 45 long Colt slash 410, uh, like a shotgun round. I live out in the country and so I carry a 410 because if I come across rattlesnakes or or whatever. So if I don't plan on traveling, I just carry my little revolver with me. Well, it's not little, it's a pretty big revolver. Tell <laughs> me you uh, C.J. Grisham, I'm just a, a local resident here in Temple, um, also a founder of a gun rights organization here in Texas, so... I'm here to find out his views on gun rights.
0: Okay, great. Are you? Where do you usually fall politically?
4: Um, probably more uh, conservative libertarian, uh, that that vein. I'm more of a classical liberal, like Thomas Jefferson, basically government leave me alone, and that's so wherever whoever's got the uh, freest policies. So,
0: but you're are you you're open to him somewhat? I mean. Well, I will Ted, listen Ted to Cruz anybody. Ted Cruz definitely has a more free gun policy than Beto does. Well,
4: absolutely, and, and, and obviously I'm more geared towards Ted Cruz than I am to Beto, but I also believe in listening and con- conversing and discussing issues. Uh, so that's why I'm here, to listen to—I mean, if we only listen to the people we agree with, we can never grow that way, so.
0: You're more open to him than past Democratic candidates in Texas? I, I wouldn't say that. I like C.J. He's smart and open. He waits in line for half an hour to meet Beto like everyone else. Shakes his hand, asks him about his policy positions on guns. CJ doesn't come away impressed. I would say
4: probably 98% positive I'm going to be voting for Ted Cruz, yeah. And, and I don't think uh, coming to a rally like this is going to change my mind, because I'm not a, a single-issue candidate, but gun control is heavily on that scale. I'm just here to get answers you know, respectfully. I don't want to cause any outbursts like some of the Democrats did at the Ted Cruz rally, but I just wanted to listen. I think we need more of that in society, people listening instead of talking so much, like I am right now.
0: The night before in Waco, I spent some time with a woman named Mary Duty. In some ways, she's CJ's opposite, a lifelong, bleeding-heart liberal. But no one is going to confuse her for a snowflake. She's stout, no bullshit, the grandmother of seven. One of her sons served two tours in Iraq as a Marine. Mary's pretty much running the place. She's the head of the mclennan County Democratic Party. And after Beto finishes, she walks through the hall, greeting everyone, reminding them to turn out, making sure all the concessions are closed. We make our way to a small room at the back of the building.
3: Uh, my name's Mary Duty. You don't want to be here? I mean, I, I was really forward of I me mean, to try to buy you a beer but it's keeping me I tell her
0: I'm fine but I mean in general McLennan County's Republican Baylor University conservative I
3: I was making peace signs at Baylor in 1972 uh during the Vietnam War McLennan County is a red county we have a huge number of people that just don't show up independents and Democrats
0: so what's this like compared to other statewide candidates like Wendy Davis or Bill oh, White? Or... We
3: haven't seen anything like this. We haven't seen anything like this in years, years. Um, oh no, this is it, not even in the ballpark. I literally had meetings years ago where if I got 20 people in the room, I was like doing cartwheels and calling the you know the paper. And, and to fill this hall with people is extraordinary. And and the and the diversity of this audience. Every race, every color, every creed. Young, old, babies, you know, they were all here.
0: I tell Mary I'm sure she has Republican friends. She laughs. She tells me she sleeps with a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> what is a what is Republican friend you sleep, uh, sleep with? Uh, what, is, what does that, that person think about uh, Beto?
3: Well, we, he actually likes Beto. Uh, he actually likes Beto. He doesn't have a real—he didn't have a dog in this fight. He doesn't really care for Ted Cruz either. As my husband and I say, I sleep on the left side of the bed and he sleeps on the right side of the bed. But he generally votes person over party, so I can—I can lure him over on many
0: things. Here is the problem for Beto. In every election for a generation, Texas has looked a lot more like C.J. than it's looked like Mary or even Mary's Beto curious Republican husband. And when you talk to the people who study Texas politics, they think that's going to be very hard to change. Well, I mean,
5: I I think if you go back to March 2017, you know, before Beto became Beto, you know, you saw somebody looking at a a pretty,
0: pretty big hole. That's Jim Henson. He's the director of the Texas Politics Project at UT. When he looks at Texas, even this year, he sees huge advantages for the Republicans.
5: At the time that Beto declares You're going into an election in which any statewide Democrat probably is starting at, you know, reasonable people can disagree, call it 15-point deficit. Previous candidate that had, you know, lots of high hopes pinned on her, Wendy Davis, went through a fall election with national attention and talk of turning Texas purple, if not blue, and lost to Greg Abbott by 20
0: points. Jim ticks off what has happened to the Democrats after two decades completely out of power. Their fundraising's weak. Their bench of candidates is shallow. They don't have the think tanks or policy institutes or reclusive billionaires ready to create super PACs to force their pet issues and anointed candidates on the public. There are, in fact, as many Texans who identify as Democrats as Republicans. But when it comes to actually showing up on Election Day, the numbers aren't even close. And somebody that is
5: running, you know, as of March 17 and and probably going forward, but looking at the situation on the ground then, pretty bereft of organizational support.
2: What I'd also say is, you know, it's important to note that at that point, how much of an outlier O'Rourke was.
0: That's Josh Blank. He's the director of polling and research at the Texas Politics Project. He works with Jim.
2: I mean, there were no other Democrats Chomping at the bit to run statewide, despite the fact there's a Republican in the White House. Generally speaking, you expect to see more out-party candidates running, especially in that first midterm election. You know, whereas O'Rourke was clearly, you know, enthusiastically running for this Senate seat, no clear candidate for governor, no candidate for attorney general, no candidate for lieutenant governor, and really thin pickings in terms of figuring out who those people were going to be. And I think that's actually probably a more accurate picture of what it looked like for Democrats at that time. The
0: race has tightened
2: considerably since then. So where do Jim and Josh stand
0: now? Well, last week they published an article with the headline, Beto O'Rourke won't beat Ted Cruz in Texas. Here's why.
5: You know, O'Rourke's chances have moved up appreciably, if not hugely, beyond non-zero probability of winning. Yeah. You know. Liz race certainly looks a lot closer than one might have thought and you know he's a lot more competitive for people that follow politics it's a very exciting story for people not just in Texas I mean national media attention you know I was out of state last week and on the other side of the country and it, people kept asking whether you know, Beto has a chance what about this Beto O'Rourke guy So, I mean, there's something going on there, but whether that's evidence of some fundamental thing, we're just not seeing that. I mean, there's a couple things we're seeing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the real question, I mean, like, what I'm most attuned to with with that race in particular is, you know, how much does the electorate look like what Texas electorates usually look like, and how much does the electorate expand, if at all? Beto has a line that goes, Texas isn't a red state or a blue state.
0: It's a non-voting state. In a sense, he's right. In 2016, only a little more than 50% of eligible Texans cast a ballot. Depending on which study you look at, Texas either has the worst turnout in the nation or just about the worst turnout in the nation. Latino Texans make up nearly a third of the eligible voters in the state, and most of them don't show up to the polls. 2016, with Donald Trump on the ballot, 40% Latino turnout. The Texas that actually votes is much wider and much older than the population of the state. Beto needs that to change. Essentially, he needs three things to go his way.
2: Mobilize and excite, you know, through the liberal base. That's the first thing. Somehow appeal to Hispanics. That's the second thing. And Josh means
0: not only does he need a historic Latino turnout, but he needs those Latino voters to skew even more Democratic than they have in recent elections.
2: And then also at the same time as all that, get moderate, you know, sort of moderate to slightly to you know s- slightly center right, white voters to also come over to his camp. That's number three. If there's I mean, some way to do that, I don't know what it well, is. Well, I'm saying I,
5: I guess the question is, if you are trying to appeal to let's not even call them center right, let's just call them non-ideological white voters. You know what what is O'Rourke offering them and i think he is offering them persona and authenticity now you know will that Mm. work
0: that's Beto's bet that in this moment of partisan anger his appeal to our better angels is a winning political strategy when he starts his town halls he says
1: if you are a republican you're in the right place if you're a democrat you're in the right place if you're an independent you're in the right place
0: It's the kind of bipartisanship that lots of voters say they want. But Beto's bipartisanship is more about attitude than policy. He's not like some of the other red state Democrats this year who are trying to get elected by hemming and hawing about abortion rights or supporting Trump's Supreme Court nominees. When it comes to the issues, he might as well be Kamala Harris in California or Kirsten Gillibrand in New York. This isn't just a matter of sticking to his beliefs. He says explicitly that he's not counting on swing voters. He's counting on the non-voters who have decided not to participate in the whole political process in the first place. At one town hall, I watched Beto try to defuse the partisan anger erupting right in front of him. We're in Lampasas. It's a tough town hall, middle of the day, no air conditioning. A couple hundred people jammed into a creaky wooden building. And two older guys start shouting at each other. One is wearing a Make America Great Again hat. The other doesn't like that one bit. There's a commotion. Other people in the audience hold them back.
1: We're good. We're good, sir. You will not tell me. We're okay. It's okay. It's okay. Cynthia, do you still have those cookies? It's okay. To the gentleman in the Make America Great Again I'm going to give you the first question after I conclude, and I'll wrap this up. I know
0: it's warm. Cynthia bounds down the aisle, sticks her hands up in the air. She used to be an assistant principal at an elementary school. She's got this.
3: I just want to remind everybody
5: there's kids here, and we all need to be respectful of each other. Please. We will, we will. Thank you.
0: Then she hands the mic to the MAGA guy.
5: I agree with nothing you say. Everything for you is a big government
1: solution. As far as I'm concerned, you're a and you're a threat to this country. Thank you, sir. I'm glad that you're here. Listen, listen. Hey, th- this, this is awesome. The, the fact, and I mentioned 242 years in, let that sink in. in in what has proven to be the exception in the world, not the rule. That we can have this conversation, we can do it peacefully, we can vote for the candidate of our choice, and then we can get on with being Americans. It's never been under greater threat or attack, um, but it's on all of us to make sure that it continues to work, and that means listening to those with whom we do not agree, uh, sometimes passionately disagree. So we are glad that you're here. Thank you, sir.
0: Later, When we're driving toward Austin, we see two men standing next to a giant Ted Cruz sign. It looks like they just put it up. Beto rolls down the window and waves. They just stare at him. think you just flipped their boat? Yeah.
1: She can be nice to each other, right?
0: A couple weeks ago, Beto's campaign published their plan to win. It involves opening hundreds of pop-up offices around the state and knocking on 3.6 million doors. Their hope is to turn out a million more Democratic voters than in past midterm elections, and they'll probably need every single last one of them. In a way, it's a larger version of what Beto has been doing all along, trying to reach out to every potential voter that he humanly can. Will that work in 2018 in a state of 28 million people? In less than a month? We'll see. Next week on Underdog. Texas wasn't always a red state. For nearly a century, the Democrats controlled everything here. Plenty of liberals got elected, too. But it's been a long time. We go into the history and the future of Red Texas, and the now decades-long effort to turn Texas blue.
3: I wanted to show, even in losing, that the state was going forward, that we were gonna improve upon the last statewide race that Bill White had run, and we didn't.
0: Underdog is a production of Texas Monthly and Pineapple Street Media. Our executive producers are Max Linsky, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Brian Standiford, who also scored and mixed the show. Underdog is produced by Chris Berube and edited by Joel Lovell, with help from Jonathan and Our theme is Bloodhounds on My Trail, written, produced, and performed by the Black Angels, courtesy of Light in the Attic Records. Jorge Castillo played guitar for the score. I wrote, reported, and hosted this thing. I'm Eric Benson. Thanks for listening.